0: This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. It is episode three of season two of The Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Melissa Corkum. Melissa is the mother of six kids, four through adoption. She is also an adoptee, and we have a great conversation today today talking about life as an adoptee, the struggle of trying to be enough for your kids, and what real self-care, not doing fun things for yourself, but actually putting on mindfulness, actually releasing yourself from guilt of things that aren't a priority. It is so good. I know you're going to love this conversation. So here is season two, episode three of The Real Mom Podcast today I'm talking to Melissa Corkum. Melissa is the mother of six children, four through adoption. She's also an adoptee, an author, blogger, podcaster. So I'm excited to be able to talk to her today. I don't know Melissa very well, so I'm going to learn a lot of her story right along with you. But hi, Melissa.
1: How are you? Hey, Jamie. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy to. I was technically on your podcast recently, even though you weren't the one who
1: hosted it. I know, I know. It's so fun. Lisa and I get to swap off the interviewing duties. Um, Sometimes we fight over people, but she kind of already knew you, so she she won that coin toss.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love, I love, 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 Lisa, but I know she loves you, so I'm excited to get to know you. So tell me just about your family. Give us an intro, a 101 to your family.
1: Yeah, so, okay, the way I usually do this is to introduce you to them by the way, by the order in which they entered our family. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so we started with two kids by birth. So we have a son, PJ, who is 15, and a daughter, Mia, who is 13. And then in 2009, we went to Korea and adopted a two and a half year old. And so he is now 12 and his name is Tai. And then in 2012, we kind of did the unthinkable a little bit by accident, but we went to Ethiopia and over a period of like 3 months brought home three unrelated older kids, teen, almost teenagers. They were 11, 13 and 14 at the time. So they so are what now does
0: by yeah. almost by accident, mean.
1: Well, we we were willing to do a sibling group. So we had, we were approved for three, but there weren't any sibling groups waiting. There were two unrelated. Well, actually there were three unrelated kids on the waiting child list for our agency. And they told us that we could only bring two unrelated children home at a time. So they made us pick, which was terrible. So we went to adopt a 13 and 14 year old boy and girl from different orphanages. I don't know why anyone thought that was a good idea, but that's what we did. And then we found out that our son, who was the 14 year old, had been relinquished with another girl who he had grown up with. They had been raised together and they really wanted to keep them together as family. And we did too. And I, as an adoptee, felt really strongly about that. So we jumped through a couple more hoops and, brought her home shortly thereafter. So she was kind of by accident. And actually our Korean adoption was a little by accident too. We were looking to start an adoption ministry and went on a waiting child list, just to look. I'm an adult adoptee from Korea, and so I always look at Korean babies. And um, I don't know, actually I think it was an angel, like a legit angel gave us his file without, like just with an email. She said, Oh, you're interested in adopting him. Here's his 40 page referral. Let us know in two weeks if you're in or out. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Yeah. So, so that was our first adoption. And then, yeah. So then we brought home three older kids from Ethiopia, all unrelated.
0: And you Um, went from three kids to six kids within a few months.
1: Yeah, and adopted and on the birth, birth
0: order, order and yeah. teenagers no English. Yeah, <laughs> teenagers. So basically, like the recipe for just a really happy, easy, normal family life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and we we were becoming trained as empowered to connect parent trainers at the oh, time. Cool. And so, like naively, we had <laughs> already been through an adoption. Yeah, we had already been right. through an adoption that was hard on us, but we did it without trust-based parenting. And so we thought. You know, we've done high school youth ministry before, like our kids were all super excited. We thought, well, like there will be some challenges, like we weren't dumb to the challenges, but I just, the magnitude of it all was yeah. lost on us until it happened.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I want to backtrack and get back to that, but you are the first adoptee that I've had on the podcast. So I would love to just talk about that more because um the way you talk about adoption your adoption isn't necessarily the voice that you hear from many adoptees if you're surfing the internet looking for perspectives of adoptees. So I, I don't even know how to ask this question. Tell us what it's like to be an adoptee.
1: Well, you know, I have to give credit to my parents, you know, just how they framed it, but they just always made us feel, feel super special. And I know not all adoptees handle that the same way or perceive it the same way. But I just, I actually always thought it was kind of cool. Like I always played it up in elementary school. Like I would like tell people, well, I don't really know when my birthday is. So who knows, maybe I'm older than all of you or, (laughs) you know, like I was abandoned at an orphanage in Korea. And so, I mean, obviously Not knowing my birthday doesn't mean I'm a full year older than anybody because it could only be off by a day or two. But when you're five, no one knows that. Right. (laughs) And, you know, and we celebrated Airplane Day because all of us came on airplanes and it was like having a second birthday. You know, we got a little present, we got to choose dinner. And so, So, and the way you're
0: saying us and we, you grew up in a, a family of adopted children.
1: Yeah, so I have two younger siblings, both through adoption, all from Korea. Korea. Yeah.
0: Now, how do you think that played into sort of the normality that you felt in your family?
1: Um, I think it was helpful. I also, my best friend growing up is a Korean adoptee. And when we were in sixth grade, my parents bought the house two houses down from her. So we grew up super close. And I would actually argue that that relationship was hugely impactful in how I viewed adoption as well because I always had someone who pretty much got me and our perspective perspectives on adoption are similar and but that to say you know our siblings have not processed it in the same way and we actually grew up on a block with three Korean adoptive families and each of us of the seven of us all had different perspectives and so I I honor and I understand that there's a perspective that's different than mine. And I understand the hurt and our older kids experience a lot of those same struggles with identity and, and things like that. So I don't want to discount that, but I do want to just let adoptive parents know that there are a lot of really happy well-adjusted adoptees out there, um, but they're not the squeaky wheels. And so, you know, it's easier, I think, as someone who's struggling with it to be vocal about it. And, um, you know, I think everyone else is just kind of living their life. Like it doesn't even, you know, some days I don't even think about it. I think about it a lot more that now that I'm an adoptive mom, but I didn't really until then, you know, it just wasn't, it really wasn't a thing.
0: Yeah, I I love what you just said. When we started considering adoption, I think if I if I knew what I know now, it would have been harder for me to jump in with faith. <laughs> but I grew up my husband has two sisters adopted from China and I grew up um with a number of families similar to what you're sharing of it was Um, a lot of families walking through adoption together. So a lot of kids who had each other and could process things together. And there were mirrors of themselves within this, you know, very white community. And, um, but I think I, I saw my sisters and thought, well, that's the norm you take in this orphan and then they're your family and they love you forever and everything is perfect and happy. And it wasn't until I got deeper into adoption with our own family, where I started to hear these voices. And, you know, being an author, you get attacked (laughs) a little more by those voices. And so they became very loud to me. Um, But it was surprising to me, because in my experience, adoption was just this happy, beautiful, everyone lives happily ever after kind of thing. And it's led me to, to even just consider what the experiences of my sisters and others were that I just sort of glossed over so how would you say you know you clearly loved your family or grateful all of that what were the the hidden struggles for for a child who was happy and felt secure what what was still a struggle for you as an adoptee in your family
1: yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, You know, in some ways, before we adopted, some of it's perspective. I think I've always had a great sense of humor about just life in general. It's kind of how I tackle everything, and it's exactly how I tackled the things that were kind of crazy about being an adoptee, you know? Um, I, and racism, like I have, you know, in hindsight, until there was a really big conversation about racism in our country over the last couple of years, you know, and we have a black son and we've taken in a young adult who aged out of Baltimore City's foster care system and he's black. I had never really thought about my experiences as racist, but in hindsight, like with a different lens, oh my gosh, like, you know, my parents should have been all over some of the stuff that happened. And, but we just, it was always funny. Like we would always kind of laugh at people's ignorance or it would, it would make good dinner time conversation. Um, so there's that part. And, and that's just kind of how we tackle a lot of things when our older kids came home and they really struggled with attachment. That's when I think a lot of my kind of underlying insecurities and I was always a perfectionist growing up. Like I did all the right things. I was a rule follower. I was a people pleaser, you know, when our kids rejected us, I realized that I had a lot more issues with abandonment and rejection than probably the average person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's how it kind of has magnified itself in our family.
0: All right. So let's dive into that more. What has it been like now being on both sides of the coin of how has being an adoptee served you as an adoptive parent? And how has it been a challenge? Sort of like you just hinted at.
1: Yeah, well, I think it served me because there's a part of me that has an immense amount of empathy for the struggles that our kids have walked through and struggled with us. And it has not been an easy road. The, you know, our older, well, none of our adoptions have been an easy road, actually. So there's a part of me sometimes that wants to throw in the towel and be like, you know, this is too hard. You've hurt me too much. We didn't ask for this. We don't, you know, we don't have to, you know, legally, we only have to do this until you're 18. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's this little, you know, little person in the back of my head, the, I think the, you know, hurt adoptee that says, Nope, you know better than that. You know that they're hurt. You know that they just need someone to keep fighting for them, you know, you like, you know, that feeling and buck it up. You're going to have to keep moving forward. Um, and I even remember, like, I actually was a rager as a kid. Um, and I had kind of forgotten about it, I think, <laughs> but as I got older, I had always just kind of, I think crafted my life in a way that I, I didn't get triggered. So I, no one would have ever known mm-hmm. because I just adapted really well. And then I we adopted these older kids who pushed every single button and one of our kids is a fight, actually two of them are fighters and I was a fighter. Um, and I, I raged when I was a kid about the dumbest things, most of it about chores. And, but I remember being in my room raging about the fact that my mother asked me to like pick up my room. Um, and I remember, you know, kicking walls and, you know, banging beds around and all kinds of crazy things. But I also remember thinking, oh my gosh, I just, and she was mad at me. I mean, for obvious reasons, like she didn't want anything to do with me. She was like stay in your room until you figured, you know, like, until you figure it out. But I just remember thinking, I don't, I didn't, understand the big feelings. Like I didn't like them as much. Like I didn't like them either. And really all I wanted was a hug. I had no idea how to communicate it. Hmm. She wouldn't have listened to me anyway. There was nothing for parents back then that helps them understand what might have even been going on. And so as far as she was concerned, I was a hot mess and I could figure it out. And, you know, all I had, all I needed to do was pick up the clothes off my floor, pull myself together. And then, you know, I could have all the hugs I wanted, but the flip side is is I probably needed the hug to calm down, you know, and I had to just figure other, you know, coping mechanisms out. But those memories float around in the back of my head. And when I have a raging kid, yeah, yeah, um, you know, those are the things that fight against the, you know, I want to, you know, kick and scream right back. And then there's that little voice that says, let me
0: ask you, I know you're using that as just an example, but as someone who could use help in this specific situation, and for anyone else who's sitting and listening, listening (laughs) how do you, as a mom, you can take away adoptive, just maybe adoptive, but as a mom, help your kid who needs help when the best you can do, or the best you feel like you can do is remove yourself from the situation so you don't add to the crap that
1: they're feeling and going through right then. What give talk to me about that? <laughs> well, I'm I'm really not probably a fabulous example because more often than not, the human part of me that just as pissed as a mom is probably the thing that is the strongest reaction in yeah. my being. But what I've learned over the years is if I'm not in a healthy spot, even just on a little day-to-day thing, like if I'm having a frantic day, there's No way on God's green earth that I'm going to be able to pull my stuff together for that kid, you know, like then it's going to be the best I can do is just not kill someone. I'm going to have to just remove myself, exactly.
0: So, what if you feel that way (laughs) most
1: (laughs) days? No, Amy, we need to talk. Um, (laughs) I mean, really, but honestly, like that's that's one of my passions because I was convinced when we were going through our crisis with our older kids that if i could just love them a little bit more meet the need you know we were a connected parent family like connected child family we were right, by the right. book like if we could just pour in a little bit more like we would turn a corner and we almost ran ourselves in, like we have ptsd to show for it we it was terrible and yeah. i needed to t- give myself permission to say their hurt is not going away anytime soon so you take the time that you need to keep filling your bucket up so you can keep pouring Little drops into them. And I think we underestimate, I know I did, I underestimated the power of a healthy me that it could trickle down effect. I just assumed, like, I could just, you know, because I'm a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of girl. I just thought, like, I can just power through. And then when we feel like we've arrived, then I'll take care of myself later. Like, Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I don't have to take care of myself right now. I need to just focus, focus, focus. And it just, it doesn't work we just have to and I guess part of that is
0: accepting that you're not going to fix your child that it's not a simple solution that you can just do and accomplish and then move on the process of these kids they're healing and they're feeling integrated into your family it's just not a simple answer
1: right and I mean it's like running a marathon right like you don't Like at mile three, when there's a water station, you're not like, ah, I don't really need the water. Like I can make it to mile 26. I don't really need that. Like if you do that, you'll probably die. You know, like you have to take breaks along the way. doesn't mean you're stopping. It doesn't mean you're giving up, but you have to take care of yourself to get all the way to the end of the race. And it's long.
0: I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. There, I connect you to my guests. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. So what does that look like for you practically, philosophically, and then also just like day to day?
1: Um, I'm a brain nerd kind of girl. So like, you know, I had to really see the brain science behind what things like mindfulness would do for me. Like, I couldn't just hear like, oh, you need to take some time to breathe. Like, I just thought that was dumb. It never worked for me in the moment. Like I had to read the research that said, Ten minutes of mindfulness a day not in the moment but just any time during the day can literally change the you know physiology in your brain so that you could gain a whole stinking second before you blow up at your kid like you get a whole second to pull yourself together before you react instead of respond or um, you know and just having those go- to's giving yourself permission to separate yourself for just a little bit but having a tool that does help you recenter pretty quickly so that, you know, maybe you don't just leave your child for a whole half an hour, 40 minutes, an right. hour screaming, but you have five minutes and then you can come back to a kid who's still dysregulated and say, Hey, do you need a hug? You know, what can I do for you? Um, so yeah, I mean, things That's like mindfulness. So
0: I love that. It's the difference between you go pull yourself together. Cause I can't deal with you. And okay, I need to take a little time to deal with me, so that I'm ready to jump into your mess with you, because I feel like I can do one or the other. Either like I'm in, I'm gonna fix this. I'm here with you. I'm a but, but I'm not. I'm not ready to do it, and I'm gonna break at some point. Well, and you deal with your crap.
1: And your podcast is the Real Mom podcast. We have a real life parenting acronym that we use um, in our coaching program with the Adoption Connection. And the R is reflect, like reflect on how you're doing, reflect on how your kid's doing, what might be going on, what are the big feelings. And then the E is empower. And it's empower us first. Like, we've reflected on our own stuff like maybe we're PMSing, maybe we didn't sleep well last night, like, and then empowering us, what can we do? Because we can only control ourselves. And the return on investment for that couple seconds we put into ourselves is so much bigger than trying to convince our kid he needs to breathe or whatever, you know, and then we can empower our kids and then we can make an adjustment and then we can keep living our life.
0: That's really good. Yeah. I'm reading a book by Haley Morgan right now, not adoptive, mom or actually no no she's not um but it's just a book it's called uh preach to yourself and it's just yeah. about believing truth and shutting down lies and and she has you like imagine that moment where it's like the worst morning or something terrible happens and paying attention to what you're telling yourself and yeah. hearing those scripts that then you're aware, taking the time to reflect and think, this is what I'm believing right now. Is this true? Is this a lie? Is this building my faith in God? Or is this bringing me to discouragement? Even just taking the time to identify it. So then you know what you need, you know how you can repent or how you can fight even in the first place before then, okay, now it's time to change.
1: Yeah, and it happens in a split second. Like it only happens that second, and so that's where I think that mindfulness comes in. Like it seems like not a big deal. Oh, great, another an extra second in reaction time, but a second is huge in those moments. I think.
0: So, do you do like ten minute mindfulness exercises every
1: day? <laughs> uh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I do have a reminder on my phone, um, and I have an app that I really like that has a breathing bubble. What is it? Okay, so the one that's available on both Android and iPhone is called Stop, Think, and Breathe, I think. Okay. Stop, Breathe, and Think. All right, I'll link to one that. Of those. And at the very bottom, like in the settings or somewhere at the bottom, you can find what's called the um, breathing timer. And it it's a it's a breathing timer, but it has a bubble that it expands as you're supposed to inhale and then it has you hold for a certain amount of time. And then it like decreases as you're supposed to exhale. And so it's enough like where I can focus on the bubble to like keep my mind from wandering. Yeah. And you can set how long you want it to have you breathe for. And I think I might like two or three minutes at a time before I feel like my head's going to explode. So ideally I would do that like multiple times to try to equal 10 minutes, but yeah, I mean, I'm mostly a once a day kind of girl, Okay. (laughs) but I still think it does help. So I think, something's better than nothing. Well, and I think even just fighting
0: for mindfulness, like that three minutes is just an intentionality towards I'm going to fight for mindfulness that then, I mean, you're right. It changes your brain, all that, but even just like positioning yourself to, I want to stop, be slow to anger, slow to speak. And it just makes a difference.
1: Yeah. And it's act it's it's active, you know, like it's not just yeah, yeah, like yeah. try not to get angry next time. Like exactly. I need, I'm a doer. I need something, like I need someone to give me a to-do list or a it's task. Like the to
0: put the on to the put off. Like we need the okay, what is what am I supposed to do? Not just what am I not supposed to do.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So what does sort of self-care look for you? Because I think what can happen when we start talking about these things. It's you need to take time. You need to prioritize yourself. You need to be healthy, all that. And it can add to the burden that moms feel of, I need to do more. So, okay, now you're telling me I need to fit in 10 minutes of mindfulness. And someone else is telling me that I need to go research these oils. And someone else is telling me that I need to work out an hour a day. And then all of a sudden it's a burden again of all the things yeah. you have to do and the ways you need to be better. I so think.
1: what does key, it look like for you? Well, the key is expectations, right? Like in all the places, not just adding in the self-care, but looking at the whole picture, you know, what are you doing that's draining the life out of you?
0: Right, right, right. You know,
1: Um, so like, for example, this year, we are not decorating for Christmas, including not even having a tree. Okay. um, Which is a little bit sad, but it just felt like too much. And we generally, as a rule, Don't buy our kids Christmas presents. We have a lot of extended family who loves to do that, and I do love hanging out with people. Like, so I will make time to go to the neighborhood Christmas cookie party, or I won't bake Christmas cookies for it, (laughs) but (laughs) I'll I'll go. Um, you know, making time for, you know, different family get togethers, different, you know, friend parties, open houses, things like that. I will do that. Um, But, you know, I don't volunteer for the dance academy. Like I don't, um, we homeschool in a certain style that does not require a lot of work from, you know, I just give myself a lot of grace to not do. Um, So that's been huge is to just not feel like there's a societal norm that we have to do a certain, like, you know, we haven't had a birthday party for a kid uh, in 11 years, you know, like <laughs> we just don't do them. Um, sure. Right, we'll like have, a, we'll have an you, ice cream cake, but we don't invite anyone <laughs> to <yeah>. it.
0: <laughs> let me ask you what I can be prone to think and what I can expect others may think is then how do you not feel the, the guilt? of that? Because I'm in a similar, like, oh my gosh, I haven't, but, but then I feel so guilty about it. Oh my gosh. Her cousin gets a birthday party every year and she's five years old and she's never had one. Like, how do you release yourself from the guilt of those things?
1: Um, a lot of inner work. Um, you know, just really, you know, going back to the, the, bible the gospel like what are the things that are important what are the things and i think yeah, sometimes yeah. we have to write it out like what are the our main goals for our kids just like we have business goals i love you that. know and right. so if we filter everything through like okay does a birthday party is that going to help point my person to jesus nope right 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 <laughs> not yeah. necessarily um you know so i think those things you know what are our kids watching what do we want them how do we want them to parent like do we want to set up the same pressures on them because they watched us mm. through a perfect Pinterest birthday parties like do I want my like what do I want my daughter to see me as a mom like the mom who got it all right or like the mom who prioritized relationships and just let everything you know including the moldy bathroom just fly by the wayside you know <laughs> um yeah I so love I that fact- I think that's huge. Um, and I think there's also this part of me in the back of my mind that thinks maybe you're just an adoptee with attachment disorder and so you're really just not attached to anything <laughs> why you can let go of all of these things. Maybe it's I like your
0: first go. answer better. <laughs> no, I love that though. I think we talk about our priorities but then we don't always live that way. And just like, what do? how do our minutes and our dollars actually on a line item contribute to what we're saying our priorities are for our children, for our our family, how we want them to love Jesus, follow him, grow in character, but then, you know, throw away thousands of dollars and rule our life by dance recitals. And like those sorts of things are the conversations we're having where I look and say, I can't believe we're not giving this thing to our children, but then have to like reel myself back in and say, but is this really what I think is important for them? Is this really what I want for them forever?
1: Yeah. And I mean, here's the other part, you homeschool and we have homeschooled in seasons. And, you know, when I look at my 13 year old's friends who are, and all their families are kind of doing the cultural norm thing. And I look at what's important to them and what kinds of battles their parents are fighting with them about. And I look at, our daughter and how grounded she is and the things that she knows are important. And, and some for hard reasons because we've walked through a really hard time as a family. But I think those are the times when I can think, okay, I think we're like the mom guilt melts away because this beautiful, you know, and not that we, everything we do, not that all of our kids are going to turn out, you know, right. If we do all the right things, but, you know, I just see, Like she just doesn't expect the same things as her friends do because we've just never done it that way. And I will also say it's like exercising a muscle. I think it gets easier to live outside of those cultural norms the more that we do it. And honestly, our family has been doing it for so long that it doesn't, it kind of doesn't even cross my mind anymore because nothing we've done. (laughs) You know, I got married when I was 20. I was still in college. Then we had a baby. And then I went back to school while I had a baby. And then I had another baby, you know, like, and then we adopted. Like we're just so... Far outside of what, like quote unquote, normal people do. That right, right, right. <laughs> it's been easy to be like, yeah, we don't fit in. That's just yeah. Who I mean, we are. so I mean, all the way down to like this spring, my husband walked away from corporate America. He's like, I'm done. Like, I, this this doesn't fulfill me. And he was like, How about you go do something that you like and pay the bills? And I was like, Okay. <laughs> so yeah, and that's okay. been some part of my self care too. Like a whole season of self care. Like I'm off not having to worry about our son who has to feed alcohol and what he's learning and not learning. And my husband's taking care of that. And I'm off, you know, doing the things that I feel really passionate about. So.
0: Okay. Let's switch gears. Now. I want to talk just a little bit about you as a person. What are you doing eating, reading, watching, listening
1: to? So what are you doing? Okay. What I'm doing is I am, I am pursuing like my lifelong passion what's that quote from like henry now and like where your like passion meets the world's need right something like that yeah so that's what i'm doing Good. um part of that is the adoption connection which is a resource site and podcast for adoptive moms and i'm i opened a parent coaching business so that was, that was fun. fun and i i love it um i'm eating well i'm always trying to eat better um, I feel really good when I'm eating paleo, but it's really hard. Um, but what I'm always eating every day of the week, and whether I'm trying to eat better or not, is chips. I'm a salty girl. Like,
0: oh, me too.
1: Bags of chips
0: <laughs> is what I'm eating. <laughs> me too. So I, I'm like a famously junk food. I'm like a big. I swing on the pendulum. So I used to be like a rawest, like only fruits and vegetables, and I eat junk food like crazy. Well, I just have my tonsils out. And so I couldn't swallow anything for a week. So I lost like 10 pounds. And I was like, this is great. I should stick with this. (laughs) I should stick with starving myself. Yeah. So I'm, I do, it's not really paleo because I don't eat meat, (laughs) but because I'm a vegetarian. So, but I'm, I'm just now, usually I'm talking about what junk food I'm eating during the podcast. But breaking news, I'm eating healthy right now. So I haven't had chips in a couple of weeks. And well, because
1: chips and your tonsils out like sounds terrible to even me. And I love chips. So well,
0: and I've lost my taste buds, which is something I wasn't expecting. And I'm a foodie. So I'm like mourning that. (sighs) That is
1: terrible. We're foodies too.
0: It's not fun at all. But I, they're coming back, so I don't think it's like a permanent thing. But okay, oh gosh, Chips, that would be I love your answer. Chips is a good answer. All right, what are you reading?
1: Uh, so fiction-wise, I love anything Karen Kingsbury, and she just came out with a new book. So I just finished that up. What's it called? Uh, it's called When We Were Young. Okay. And she actually, fun factoid, uh, is also an adoptive mom. Oh, And cool. that's not not how I found her, but I, she writes the most riveting inspirational fiction uh, and you'll need your tissue box. (sighs) And then in the nonfiction world, uh, the book that everyone should read who has children is called Never Split the Difference. Uh, It's a book about negotiating.
0: I don't know. (laughs) Written by like
1: an FBI negotiator. Is Uh, is it a parenting book? No, not at all. But my (laughs) husband has an Audible subscription and we listened to this on the way to Georgia for Thanksgiving and it was fascinating. And the only thing I could think of was where was this book when we were still had a really hard child in our home because, and some of the stuff we had kind of already done intuitively, but it's just genius.
0: (laughs) Nice. I need to look that up. I have little lawyers. One in particular. And
1: well, and here's the thing. I think it appeals to, the dad audience because again like it was not a parenting book it's written by the the nation's top ever FBI hostage negotiator and oh so he gosh. uses stories from his career to talk about the principles of negotiation so it's a great business book but you know all again all I could think of the entire time we were listening to it was like parents with kids from hard places need this book that's so great
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right what are you watching are you um, we, in
1: person? we kind of are, um, we are watching this is us, which is on a break right now. Um, at least while we're, also,
0: we're... I think I'm a few episodes behind even because I couldn't even bring myself to watch it. Have you enjoyed this
1: season? Um, I think the season's been slow, but I don't know, again, this, maybe this goes back to just my attachment, you know riddled self and I don't know I have never I think I only cried once in the whole three seasons are you serious I just I don't know it just doesn't it just doesn't get me um I'm surprised that the adoption stuff doesn't get you because like that's what gets me are you a crier um usually adoption stuff well usually adoption stuff makes me cry so I used to watch like adoption reunions like on daytime television when I was like in high school and they made me cry every single time but I think also we because of our story it's been really hard we have had to do a ton of work and I think it's just evidence that we're just in a we're just in a really good place. Like yeah, we yeah, just yeah. had to do so much work. And so we can watch it without it re-traumatizing us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but we are a super snarky family. So we just binge watched The Good Place. Oh, okay. I love Kristen Bell. And and then we caught up to like the current season that's playing on NBC and now it's on a break. So we're kind of like not sure what to do with ourselves now because <laughs> what we are watching is all over. But. Christmas movies. Well, okay. My other um, guilty pleasure is Hallmark movies. Uh, Okay. So I I could definitely be watching those hold up in my bed with an iPad. (laughs) So my
0: best friend was just complaining about like two hours that she lost of her life watching the Christmas wedding planner. Have you seen that?
1: No, not yet.
0: So you should watch it because apparently everyone says it's like the worst thing you will ever see in your life. And so it's almost entertaining because of how bad it is. So if you're into Hallmark movies, watch that.
1: Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I just like, I like the neat little bow. I like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I You it's know exactly happy. what to expect. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Confession. I've never seen one ever. I... Like, I know I, I would
1: tell you you're missing out, but probably oh, not. Right, right, right.
0: <laughs> and I would probably I'm someone like if I don't think something is is good, I can enjoy it. So like usually, you know, five minutes into a movie, I'll look at my husband and be like, I can't do this. This is like subpar.
1: Well, um, I think it's part of the like PTSD. Like my husband's always like, what are you in the mood for? And I'm like, right about now, like, I think I can handle a romantic comedy. Right, right, right. I mean. <laughs> that's what we did last date night and like I know but I'm sorry like I just can't handle the suspense (laughs) I don't like when my heart rate goes up like I can't like okay so maybe it doesn't have to be a romantic comedy but it has to be something funny (laughs) that's so funny all right what are you listening to um if I'm not listening to podcasts um the Pentatonix Christmas station on Pandora yeah
0: okay what podcast do you listen to
1: Um, I'm kind of all over the place. I have a lot of business podcasts. I like to listen to the building a story brand podcast is probably my favorite businessy one. And then I like the conversational, one. you know, like kind of like we're doing now. So I like, you know, Annie F. Downs. I like Jamie Ivey's. Me too. Um, Yeah, yeah.
0: Jamie Ivey is my favorite. She's the one that I listen to like consistently.
1: Yeah. And then I like every once in a while, like I'll get in the mood to do something like more like cerebral, like, invisi- like an NPR, like Invisibilia, or okay. like I've listened to the serial podcast. I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of all over. I drive, we live in the middle of nowhere, and I drive oh, okay. a ton, so I can, yeah, I can take out a couple dozen podcasts a week. <laughs> <laughs> great.
0: Well, Melissa, this was great. It was great to get to know you more and to hear your story and hear your wisdom, really. I feel like we talked about a lot of the things that I'm sort of trudging through right now especially dealing with like self-care and not carrying guilt and not trying to be enough for your kids and all that. So that was that was just good for me to talk through and listen. But let me give you the opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I write at the corkboardonline.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as just corkboard online. So without the the, and then the adoption connection, if you're an adoptive family, we would love for you to join our community over there. And so we're the adoption and the adoption connection on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It was great to just get to talk to you and get to know you a little better.
1: I am so thankful that you had me. It was really fun to talk to you. We're I don't know. We're, we're not too, too far. like We're driving distance. So if you're ever like a little bit south, hit me up. I'll pop up 95 and we'll grab coffee. Awesome. <laughs> Let's do it for sure. Thanks so much for listening to this
0: episode of the Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast or Instagram at real mom podcast. Thanks so much for listening.